the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. We're keeping these win totals rolling. Turning our attention today to the Big Ten West. A reminder, or this week we've already hit you with a couple of podcasts. More win totals to come. We had a great uh, story time. Danny uh, blessing us with some some good some good Bobby Bowden stories at the beginning of the week. Uh, got into the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State win totals and the rest of that uh, Big Ten East uh, on Tuesday. Today we tackle the West. And then before we get out of here for the weekend, Notre Dame. Uh, BYU, some some of the top group of five teams, some of them of, of the most interesting group of five win totals. We'll be doing that before the end of the week. But with seven Big Ten West teams on deck, gentlemen, are y'all ready to count them up? Let's do it. As much as I think it's the, the under count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many games are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. The voice of Barton Simmons. Uh, those who have been keeping tabs know that we will be tackling the SEC next week. So uh, exciting to, to hear how everybody's feeling about Vanderbilt. If everybody's reached out for all their secret information. But we begin uh, at the top of the Big Ten West with the Wisconsin Badgers. Over-under win total set at nine and a half. Uh, It's a fascinating schedule. Uh, Juice at uh, Caesars Sportsbook, minus 120 to the over, plus 100 to the under. You've got a neutral site game against Notre Dame at Soldier Field. Eastern Michigan and Army will be coming to Camp Randall. Penn State coming to Camp Randall, Michigan coming to Camp Randall, and the Badgers will be taking a trip to New Jersey to play Rutgers in terms of the East draw. Uh, Nine and a half for a team that is favored and expected to be the best in the division. I've got some thoughts here, but uh, I want to open up the floor. Anybody feeling strongly one way or the other about the Badgers as we look at, you know, Graham Mertz? Uh, Is he going to be able to capture the best of Graham Mertz as we saw? What do we expect from the Badgers' offense? Does Jim Leonard just have the Badgers' defense right up to standard? Uh, What's the thinking going into the fall? I I feel pretty – I feel really good about this Wisconsin team. Uh, I don't feel really good about this number because I feel like Vegas is on the same page that I am. This should be – you know, likely in the power rating somewhere between like a team in 7th to 15th-ish. Uh, and I think their number, not only for the wins, but for the division and for the conference and even for the, you know, for the natty, uh, largely reflects that. If you just take last year's numbers and you put plug them into whatever formula you use, 
you're going to bet the under here hard. And I think that is a mistake. You have to realize just how much COVID ravaged his team last year. The fact that, you know, Mertz, is he super polished yet? No, but like we do know physical talent-wise, he's on a different level than anybody that Wisconsin has had since Russell Wilson. Um, I think most of the other pieces are in place. I, they're favored in all 12 games by my numbers, but I think they are probably a single-digit favorite in six or seven games. Uh, so I'm not betting this. I'll just get out of the way for somebody who has a stronger take on the actual you know over-under. I'll... For podcast purposes, I'll I'll say the under, but like I really, I like this team. Just Vegas likes it too. I, I don't feel like I have an edge here. I think it's almost exactly right. I'm on the over, but it's not like I mean I'm, I think I'm in a similar spot as you for the most part. But I'm not I'm not super I'm not betting it either. But I do think that ten and two is a little bit more likely than nine and three, and more likely than eight and four for sure. Although I do think eight and four is more likely than eleven and one. But it's I think that this is the best team in the West heading into the season. And I think that if I look around the rest of the division, which we're going to get to, I mean, Northwestern won the division last year, but Northwestern loses a lot. Iowa was Iowa was impressive in a very limited slate last year, but it wasn't like the kind of impressive where you're feeling like, oh, wow, that's, that's a juggernaut. They just played well in a year where a lot of other teams were having difficulties. And... The biggest fear for me is, as far as the over is concerned, is that non-conference schedule you mentioned. Because, like, it is. It's Eastern Michigan, whatever. Who cares? That's That should be a win. Although, again, Eastern Michigan has beaten Big Ten teams in recent memory, quite a few. But Notre Dame is a tough game. The Army, eh, that should be that should be a win. But, again, that's another tough opponent. I, just, I mean, that, Army's defensive line against Wisconsin's offensive line, it's physics, not football. Like, there's yeah. just going to be the ability to move humans in a way that Army doesn't face on a weekly basis. Yeah, but you get Notre Dame at a neutral site, and then, you know, like in the Big Ten, it, it often comes down to, especially when you're in the West, what your draw is from the East. And obviously, the three teams you don't want to get from the East are Ohio State, Penn State, and usually Michigan or Michigan State, depending on where you are in the cycle. Well, Wisconsin gets both Penn State and Michigan. The good news is both of them have to come to Camp Randall, but those are two games that aren't going to be easy. So I think that's a problem for me, but I, I do think that they're – they can beat Penn State in the first week of the season. I do think, based on history of what we've seen, Michigan is probably a win for Wisconsin. So when I go through the schedule, if it was Notre Dame last year, I'm getting Notre Dame, but I don't know exactly what Notre Dame is going to be in 2021. And it's hard for me to find three games on here where I feel like those are definite losses. There's a few that's more of a, there's like, no, they're totally capable of losing them, but they're just as capable of winning them. So I'm going over. It's not highly confident, but I do think this will be the division winner. So I... I, I can take some pieces from both of you guys right here because I really like Wisconsin too. I really like this team. And I started to get this sense when we were doing the Big Ten East. I think Wisconsin is a bigger problem for those East teams than those East teams are for Wisconsin. So I'm taking the over based on, you know, again, if that game is in Ann Arbor, if that game is in Happy Valley, you know, maybe I'm flipping my decision on how those Wisconsin, Michigan, Wisconsin, Penn State games go, but getting both of those at a place where I do factor in more of a home field advantage than most places in the Big Ten, 
And man, that Notre Dame game is awesome because I have them rated as comparable teams. And it's so interesting because who is going to be the quarterback for Notre Dame? It might be Jack Cohn, the former Wisconsin quarterback. I mean, there's so many different uh, angles to this. It's one of my favorite games, September 25th or something like that. Soldier Field. Is that a Notre Dame home field advantage? I'm sure Wisconsin will make the trip. Like it's... I think it'll be pretty even. 50-50, kind of very, very bowl gamey type feel. But here's the key for me for Wisconsin. Uh, I go down to the division list and I think about what are going to be some of your tougher games. Iowa game, that's at home. Even Nebraska, a team that I think Wisconsin is much better than, that game's at home. The only division game that looks even remotely tough is going on the road to Minnesota. 10-2 and two feels really, really good. Uh, I'm on the over and I'm not too hesitant about it. So we have one, two, three overs so far, right? No, one under, two overs. Who was under? Bud. Tom? I'm over. Oh, Bud, Bud is under. All right, Bud's on the under. I'm on the over. I'm glad because I didn't want a clean sweep of overs. But I'm on the over. Is Danny using more... the right mic? Oh, boy. Did, did you my, select my the right lower? mic? It's, no, it just sounds real echoey. So I, I wonder if you're using your, your computer mic before we, we do a whole episode like this. Like, Danny, in, in the bottom, bottom of the screen where it says camps. How's that? Better. Just make sure you check where it says cam slash Mike on the little. Well, you know what helps if I turn it. There it is. Bam. All right. <laughs> yes. Boom. Now I sound like a professional. Here we wow. go. All right. So I'm going to make it a three to one for the overs. And I'm not scared about this. I am leaning more towards chip. I have nine wins that are automatic, close to automatic. You never want to go full Sharpie on them. But can they get one of Penn State, Notre Dame, and Michigan, two of home, and one on neutral like you guys have been talking about? I say yes. This team has been a double-digit win machine for the last 15 years. It's the more, it's one of the programs I feel most stable about. And in the division, Northwestern's supposed to take a te- uh, step back, right? They're not going to be as good as last year. Purdue, I, I don't know what I'm going to get per- from Purdue, but I, sell, I feel way better about Wisconsin. Illinois, Sorry, Tom. New coach. Still feel like that's chalk up a win. Nebraska, who knows where to get there. Minnesota, another one. I feel better about the program, and I feel they're better than Iowa. So it all comes down to those three games, and I think all I need is one of those to get to 10. I'm going to take it. Um, So three overs, one under. So, Bud, as the lone under, I will just sort of pose the big, like, division future, not considering value. Would that be your pick to win the division? Yes, for sure. And, and I think I would take them over the field for the division. Ooh, got it. Like, like I would rather have, I, I think I would rather have Wisconsin and give you guys the other six. Good note. How many games are going to win this fall? Taking a little step down to the Iowa Hawkeyes, a win total of eight and a half. Caesar Sportsbook this morning has the over at minus 105, the under at minus 115. The, obviously, the the Cyhawk, like this is, guys, they, they came for me. Um, you know, I had to do that best team in each state thing that I was talking you, to you about. And uh, the clip of me describing why... Iowa was the program for the state of Iowa, had the Ohio State fan, I mean, the Iowa State fans on me. Boy, Chris Hassel threw that red meat out there and uh, tagged me right there with it. As it's, it's been quite a joy in my mentions, but this is a big part of the win total. Whether you think this is uh, another run of the mill, and I don't say that in a mean way, eight and four Iowa team, or whether you think this is a nine and three team might come down to how you feel about that game that will be in Ames this year, Iowa and Iowa State. 
The draw from the East, uh, Indiana and Penn State, that's challenging, but both those games are going to be at home. Uh, they go on the road to play Maryland. Which way are we going for Iowa and eight and a half? Under. Not, I, I, it's not like a definite under. I just, I think eight and four is a realistic, very likely scenario for the Hawkeyes. I think it's far more likely than nine and three because this was a team that, as I mentioned, talking about Wisconsin played well last year, but it's still Iowa and it's, that's not a bad thing. It's just, there's not much margin for error when you play the way that Iowa does. And like Iowa last year, I think it was six and one. They weren't very explosive on offense. The run game wasn't very good. The offensive line, honestly, as far as what you typically expect to see from Iowa offensive lines in recent years, wasn't what I expect to see on an annual basis. I uh, think Spencer Petrus was a good quarterback. He did everything that Iowa typically wants its quarterbacks to do. He took care of the football, and he took some shots when they were there, but it was mostly just, you know, safe, move the chains, keep the ball run the clock, keep it close, don't screw up. And he did a very good job at that. It's just, it's hard to win nine, 10 games a season playing that way unless you have a lot more talent than everybody. And while Iowa is a talented team, it's not like some elite God level talent. They just do a really good job of developing the players that they do have. So I looking at this schedule, I think it, they could win Indiana. They could lose Indiana that Iowa state on the road. That's no matter how good Iowa State is, that's always a tricky game, no matter what. That, you know, El Asico is just a tremendous rivalry. I think Maryland on the road could be tricky. I think Penn State's going to be a tricky game. Wisconsin on the road is probably a loss. And then you follow that up the very next week with Northwestern on the road. And Iowa historically has had problems with, with Northwestern. I just, I, there's too many opportunities for losses on this schedule to make me feel comfortable going over. So I'm going under. Man, Tom really nailed the, in my opinion, the, the schedule. Uh, breakdown of that, you know, five guarantee games, four to five games are probably single digit favorites. And I think they're dogs at Wisconsin and at Iowa State, which well, we already know what, what they are at Iowa State. I, I think Petrus is not that bad of a QB. I have some questions about, about the receiver room. You know, will the offensive line be up to its normal standards? And then defensively, I mean, this was the best Iowa defense they've had in quite a long time last year, if you go by the numbers. And that's that's really impressive. But they lost a good bit on that defensive line. And I don't know that they have the same level of difference makers there to play the style that they want to play. Um, if you want to play this under, there's a lot of good good bets to place at Will Hill. There is an Caesar eight and a half. Or excuse me, Caesar, Caesar Sportsbook. Sportsbook. Right. There is an eight and a half even money to the under out there. Uh, if you guys are interested in that undershot, that's what I'll be playing for sure in my bets column. And uh, it's under for me as well. Give me the under two. I don't like it, and I think it's a solid program, but I think of the years when they have something special, and they really haven't had that quarterback who's dynamic, which fits football, college football in 2021, right? But they've been able to win with outstanding offensive line play, really good running backs, great defense that has a bunch of seniors on it that kind of come together, and they build up, and then it kind of crescendos. Bud alluded to it. A lot of talent has gone off this team. And I think if you look in Wisconsin, who I'm bullish on, and Iowa, I'm not. What is Graham Mertz? Like, from what we saw last year, he is more of a playmaking quarterback. He's a little bit more mobile. He's able to, they're able to be a little bit more dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. 
I haven't seen Iowa do that. I think that's something that's going to be, if Iowa wants to still contend for division titles, I think they have to evolve if, uh, offensively too. And until I see that, I don't know. I, I think it's going to have to take like that special season type of veterans, and I don't see it on this team. So I'm going to take the under two. Eight and four is a good season. Yeah. Eight and four isn't like, it's a very, very good season in the Big Ten. And that's exactly where I think I was going to end up with the schedule. That is four straight unders uh, for us, for the Hawkeyes. And again, I, I want to reiterate, I have so much respect for the player development that when I look at the defensive line and I only see Zach Van Valkenburg as like the, the only like really proven commodity left after losing Davion Nixon, after losing goals, like after losing all Big Ten level players on the defensive line, I will give them the expectation that they're going to have a very good Iowa defense, but um, not one that is necessarily going to be able to uh, lift them to division title contenders yet. Eight and four is a good season, but and we're, we're all in there. They'll probably win their bowl and get to nine, you know, like, <laughs> yes. like it's a, like, cause they want it more and it'll be a good solid year. But I just, again, I think where they are right now this year, I think I would, uh, I lean towards the under, I think it's more, I think it's the safer play. And it's not if, close. If you want a name as far as like the guy who could bust us all up here, right? And and bust our underpicks defensive line wise, Yaya Black yep. is, is a dude they signed who I think is pretty freaky athletically. Uh, he was a, a freshman last year. I, I kind of suspect he's probably one more year away from being a dominant dude. But if he arrives a year early, kind of like we spoke about with North Carolina uh, two weeks ago, like if some of these young pups on the D line arrive early, uh, then they could, you know, they they could threaten for the West for sure. And da- Davion Nixon came out of nowhere, so like that's another yeah. example of the like me respecting the player development here. But that's like we're talking about the player development. We can't ignore the horse, you know, the, the elephant in the room. Chris Doyle's gone, and mm. we don't know what kind of impact that's going to have on this program in the long term. Maybe it's just maybe the system is in place that somebody else is able to take over, follow that system, and things just keep chugging along. Or maybe, you know, their secret ingredient, because Iowa has just, that's kind of its bread and butter in the Kirk Ferentz tenure, is its ability to take players, develop them, turn them into NFL players, maybe not, you know, superstars, but think of all the guys at Iowa, like three stars they've taken and sent to the NFL. That's not an accident. There's obviously been something in there, but with Chris Doyle gone, will they be able to maintain that kind of development and momentum from year to year? I think that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on going forward. Without a doubt, very significant and always a little bit strange when we have to be honest intellectually and say the man who has a long list of allegations for making the situation uncomfortable for players, his absence is a reason to downgrade. You don't have to be a good person to be good at your job. You know what I mean? Especially, uh, yes, especially in sports. Yeah. Count them up! The Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, after a breakthrough 2019 with P.J. Fleck, uh, this team was, uh, an, like so many that we've discussed, particularly in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they had uh, some of their own COVID issues. They they dealt with a lot of games getting moved around. Um, and so I, I think that, like a Penn State maybe, and you, you've got you've to be able to look at what's there and, and you've got to be able to say, okay, I'm not going to take last year's results and put too much on it. Uh, Non-con, Miami, Ohio, Bowling Green at Colorado, the draw from the east. Maryland is at home. Uh, Ohio State is at home at Indiana. So you're probably only going to get 
uh, one of those wins from the East, maybe with Maryland. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to step on anyone's toes here. Uh, what do we, what do we like about Minnesota win totals at seven, uh, minus one ten to either side at Caesar sportsbook. I think I know what direction you're going. Yeah, I'm going over. Yeah. I've, I feel I, I really like this Minnesota team. I think it's one of the ones that we've got for the bounce back. I think three and oh non-con is in the card for this Minnesota team, because as they go to Colorado, I think, you know, Home field taken into consideration. I don't know what that line's going to end up being, but I will will pick Minnesota to be the winner. And then if you go and you only get one of those from the East, but here's the thing: when I when I judge them against the rest of the division, the only two teams that I think are notably better than Minnesota are Wisconsin and Iowa. And so if we've just got to win some of those like coin flip games coming down uh, against. Uh, against a Nebraska, maybe against a Purdue, then uh, I, I think that we can get ourselves uh, to eight and four. And I think eight and four is more likely than six and six. Those seven and five feels like good push insurance. So I'll be going over for the Golden Gophers. Yeah, I, I'm mostly with you. I think that seven and five is the most likely outcome. And I do agree with you on the non-con, which is why I'm. if I have to pick a side here, I'm probably going to take the, I, well, I am taking the over. I, I take the over before the under. Because, like you said, I, I do think they can go 3-0 in non-con because even though that Colorado game on the road should be somewhat of an even contest and difficult, like Colorado last year, and this was somewhat skewed by the bowl game, but this is a team that defensively like was not good against the run. They averaged nearly 5.5 yards per carry. And one thing Minnesota was able to do even last year with Muhammad Ibrahim is when they were missing so many guys, they were able to run the ball. And I think that they'll be able to do that on the road against Colorado just for that matchup. So I do like their odds there. But just overall, I like I think seven to five is most likely, but I do think that it, there's enough on this team to think eight and four is more likely than six and six. So this is another instance where I'm not betting it. If I could find seven and a half, I would probably go under, depending on the juice. If I could find six and a half, I would probably go over, depending on the juice. With seven and five, just a slight lean to the eight. It's uh, it's funny you say that because just this morning I found a six and a half uh, at a U.S. based sports book that does not happen to be Caesars, and I found three seven and a halfs in faraway places. Uh. Uh, so this would be one. But remember we talked about the Big Twelve, how you could actually probably bet every single team and come out ahead because there are so much variance mm-hmm. on these lines. The Big Ten is tight as hell. Like yeah. they're not really a whole lot of variance here. Minnesota is the one team that I found so far that you can get. Uh, a variance of like a full win with roughly even juice. I think it was like minus a dollar thirty to the under seven and a half, and minus dollar and a quarter over six and a half. Um, I'm going to be playing that over six and a half, and I'll play a little bit of over seven as well. I, I don't love Tanner Morgan, but I think he's a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. I think their offensive line will continue to improve, uh, and I'm most uh, optimistic, I guess, here about their their bounce back with their run defense. Um, I mean, remember Michigan, that opening game just absolutely tore them up. Minnesota had a bunch of guys out. They they really struggled last year in the run defense. I don't think they'll be that bad again. I really don't like Mike Sanford as an offensive coordinator. That scares the hell out of me. I feel like everywhere he goes, things get worse. So that's discouraging um, for me. But I'm still going to bet the over just because I, I think this is uh, – I think eight wins is a lot more likely than seven wins. Or excuse me, than six wins. I think it's a big year for P.J. Fleck. Like to continue that momentum, which again, everybody had the excuse last year, COVID, and it ravaged them too. But I always looked at PJ. I'm like, you get that initial surge of energy. 
you know, row the boat and you get the cliches and he's out there on the recruiting trail and then it kind of wears off. And it's like, what are you left with? Can you maintain it? So for that reason, I think it's a big year for him. You mentioned the struggles running the ball. They've gone through the transfer portal. They got kid from Clemson, kid from NC State, a couple defensive linemen to come in to try to shore that up. Again, quarterback driven. I think Tanner Morgan is one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I feel like I trust him. Even with a new coordinator in Sanford, I still feel like you'll get pretty good play there. And also, like, kind of the opposite of Iowa losing a lot of production. Most of Minnesota's production is returning. Offensive line, all back. You know, the quarterback's back. Rushing yardage production is back. Tackles for loss, sacks. So most of the production is back where it's a team that feels like, hey, upperclassmen, put it together. I think the number's kind of low, so I'm going to take the over as well. Do you find a six and a half? Man, bud, you might have to share that with me. I might have to take that one on. And then if they um, don't, I think it's one of those years where you're like, what is the really the state of Minnesota's program then? If they're not, like if they're six and six, that's an okay year. But then like, don't you think the following season you're like, ooh, this is make or break year for PJ Fleck? Yeah, I think like, obviously we're going to get through the rest of the show here, but I I think like we talked about Wisconsin, but I'm kind of with you. It's Wisconsin or the field. I would take Wisconsin. And I do think like the other six spots in this division, there is a lot of room for maneuvering with these teams this year. 100%. 100%. So that, was that a was that a sweep on the over? Two, we, we did under sweep for Iowa and an over sweep for Minnesota. So it's so, a little Minnesota bit of lock agreement. Yeah. Start tweeting your Man. Iowa friends, friends online and let them know that. Yeah. Um, I question about the uh, pressure because it, do you think that Tanner Morgan is a top half of the Big Ten quarterback? Yes. Yeah. And do you think I think easily, don't you? I, I mean, think yeah. it's easy. Do you think Muhammad yeah. Ibrahim is a top five running back in the Big Ten? Yeah. 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 Are, th- are we only counting one per school? Are you you're just gonna throw out Ohio State's <laughs> yeah. full running yeah. back room? I am. Yeah, it's, it's one yeah. per school. Penn State. Like I, I would take probably two guys from Penn State and a couple guys from Ohio State over him. Okay. Um fair. But I think that if you have at the starter level, like that that quarterback running back combo and your name's PJ Fleck and you came up as a you know wide receiver coach and you have led really great offenses and had you know good good player development even within your system both at Western Michigan and Minnesota then this this team at a minimum should be able to score points if the defense is super leaky then that becomes something that he maybe gets a chance to avoid pressure by making a staff change but if the Mike Sanford factor pulls down the potential of this offense then uh, then that's going to be something that he'll have to answer for sure how many games are going to win this fall keeping it moving with Northwestern over under win total set at six and a half uh, over at plus 100 under at minus 120 at Caesar Sportsbook the non-conference slate Indiana State at home travel to Durham to take on Duke and Ohio at home the draw from the east Michigan State at home at Michigan and Rutgers um, we've got no Mike Hankwitz uh, someone who it felt like Barton Simmons had a great line. He said, we didn't even really mention his name all that often until we learned he was about to retire. And then we were able to tie all these years of great Northwestern defenses 
not just to, you know, our head coach and Pat Fitzgerald, who's a former Northwestern linebacker and, and obviously a big part of the culture, but also from a play calling game planning perspective, the way that that Northwestern defense was able to go up against teams uh, with, with very different sizes and speeds and still be able to be very effective win division titles. So we've got some changeover there. Uh, we've also got some personnel changeover on both sides of the ball. Six and a half is the total. Which way are we going with the Wildcats? I'm way over. Way over. Nice. Six, six and a half is just straight disrespectful to Northwestern, man. This is, this is, I, I think eight and four is more likely than six and six. So to me, the over here is, is the obvious play. I, I just look at the schedule. I understand like Northwestern loses a lot. They have a new defense coordinator, but like Northwestern's defense is Northwestern's defense. It's not like they're going to change anything up. It's going to be the same thing you've always seen. And plus they've got talent in that secondary, which is, you know, becoming bigger and bigger in this game. And I think offensively, like, sure, there are questions, like, on the offensive line, you lose a couple key guys, but they've done a good job of recruiting and developing that area in recent years. And at quarterback, I do worry about, like, the idea of having to rely on a transfer, like, every single year. They've gotten a little too dependent on bringing guys in. But the fact is, Ryan Holinsky, who has not been named the starter yet, and we don't know if he will be the starter, blah, 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 is probably the most talented quarterback they've had in that program, just from pure quarterback talent standpoint in a long time. And I think that really does kind of increase their capabilities offensively. Of course, the question will be how loose do the uh, how loose does the leash get and letting them do all that kind of stuff. But I just think that this is a Northwestern team that year in, year out, is one of the best coach teams in the conference. It doesn't do stupid things to beat itself. Late in games, if it's close, I have more confidence in them winning the game or not losing the game than I do most of their opponents. And looking at the schedule, I think they probably win all three of their non-con. Inside the conference, I think if I look at the rest, you know, I think Michigan on the road, that's probably a loss, but I don't assume it's a loss. Northwestern can win that game. Michigan State, they can win. At Nebraska, they can win. Rutgers, they should win. Minnesota at home, they should win. Iowa at home, they should win. They're probably going to be favored. Wisconsin on the road, most likely a loss. At home against Purdue, should win. At Illinois, should win. I think they're going to be favored in most of these games. So to get a total of only six and a half, this is, I mean, spoiler alert, this will be on my win total locks. Northwestern over six and a half. Would you guys be shocked? Not like predicting this, but like, would you be surprised if they started six and oh? Yes. What? You would be surprised. So where's the loss coming from? Because they're a three and a half point favorite against Michigan State, which I get. If you said that's their loss. Wait, three and oh or six and oh, you said? Six and oh. Six and oh. Would it shock? I I would be be surprised if if they start five and one. Okay, so where are the losses coming in? Are you saying Nebraska's Michigan State can beat them. They could lose at Duke. Ohio could beat them. I think they'll be an underdog at Nebraska. I know. Ohio is not beating Northwestern. Ohio just lost its coach. Okay, and Northwestern lost all of its players, and I think they significantly downgraded to Ryan Helensky from from Ramsey. They lost basically everybody who, who was a frequent target for them. They lost both lockdown corners on defense. In a year in which everybody brings back an absolute truckload of experience, there's no more inexperienced team than Northwestern. Their offense last year really wasn't very good. I mean, it was like slightly better than being, you know, bottom 10 in the country. They improved like what, 90th, I think, in SP. Plus. Then what that are you team, about replacing Peyton Ramsey for? Sure. Well, I think they could fall back outside the top 100 in offense again. Like, I, I think they could really, really suck on offense. And if their defense isn't third in the country again, if it's merely top 25, 
I think they could miss a bowl. Now, I don't think they will miss a bowl. I don't want to be misquoted on that. I am going to take the under here. I think you will go broke if you consistently bet against Pat Fitzgerald on these season win totals because he does find a way to win more you know, coin flip type games than he should. However, he is not consistently two wins over expectation in those coin flip games like he was last year. So this team was a little bit lucky, not like Indiana Rutgers lucky, but close uh, last year to win all those. I actually make an adjustment in my numbers for Pat Fitzgerald because I don't want to lose money, and I'm still going under the six and a half. That's that's the greatest compliment I you know. can give a coach, by the way. But I have to. There's the I have to make an adjustment. The Pat Fitzgerald factor because the numbers have them number fourteen in the Big Ten. If you just take numbers, they're the worst team in the Big Ten, and you absolutely know they're not. Like you just you know that they are going to be so much better than that. I'm on the under. I don't feel great about it. Wow. I'm just trying to just trying to pay some respect to how I see this breaking out. And I agree with Bud that um, like I think I gave Duke the win on the ACC. I think Michigan State uh, can win that game. I think I'm, I'll probably pick Michigan State to win that game. And so as as the losses start to add up, and and as you're alluding to, Danny, as the schedule gets tougher at the end of the season. I'm. Uh, I don't feel great about it. It's one of my least confident picks that we've had so far. But um, my where, where I've put my picks elsewhere have me pointing towards a Northwestern under. See, Danny and I are Medill grads, whereas you two, you guys are like junior college journalism students from Missouri or something. <laughs> That's right, Tom. Where where is this team in your power rankings? I'm curious. I don't. I mean, the number off. The, I, it's a top twenty five team. Not not wow. It, Okay. Not power ranking, ranking that like my gambling power in my hold on. Thirty three, because I have them fiftieth. I like this is kind of one of the bigger. And last year I think I had them like twenty six. Hmm. So and they had a shit. They had a bunch of close games. My wow. Fitzgerald factor is obviously heavier than yours. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. I know that I was doing. I think I've told this story on here before. I was on the uh, college football bowl mania show and it was like, you know, you have to do the confidence picks, confidence points. And I put the most confidence points, 40, I think it was at the time, against Northwestern. I was like, Northwestern doesn't even want to be there. And I think they played, I think it was Indiana in the pinstripe bowl, I think. And after the game on national television, Pat Fitzgerald says, I just want to thank Danny Cannell, who said we didn't even want to be here. He's like, we look like we wanted to be here, and he played it back from them. For so whoever, whatever social person that works for Northwestern, like that found that, go play this back for Pat Fitzgerald and the team. And listen to Bud just ripping them. I learned my lesson. I like Bud. I give the Pat Fitzgerald bump, but I also think when you think about losing players, like it's not like a program that loses a lot of four and five stars and then oh, how are we going to replace them? This is a program that comes in with less talent almost every single year. And what do they do? They overexceed. They, they play above expectations because they're so well coached. They play hard. They play fundamentally sound. And I am also, I'm with Tom too. I think Ryan Holinsky is a, is an upgraded quarterback too. I liked what I saw him earlier in his career at South Carolina. So I am a believer in Holinsky that he comes in and can, you know, I don't think this offense, like Bud was saying, is going to be one of the worst in the country. Uh, and it's not like they have to be one of the best in the country. You don't think it'll be one of the worst in the country. What's that? You don't think it'll be one of the worst in the country. No, 
I mean, it's been I, like, like bottom 10 or bottom like 30. 100th like, or lower? No, I don't think so. I think they'll probably be in the 50s and 60s, like you're saying. No, I, I think, think they'll I, have they were 93rd like, last year. I think they'll be closer to 6-0 and to start than 4-2. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can I tell you guys a story? Yeah. All right, let's go back to a long time ago to a season called 2019, right? <laughs> Northwestern had a really good defense. It was a top 25 SP plus defense. It had a typical, in recent years, Pat Fitzgerald offense, 123rd in the country, right? Northwestern went 3-9. and nine. We're only two years removed from that. Last year was a really freaky COVID year where they were one of the most experienced teams in the country. Now it's exactly the opposite to where they are literally the least experienced team in the country. And look, Pat Fitzgerald is tremendous at winning these coin flip games. But if you are not very good... You don't have that many coin flip type games. Like they lost to Stanford because they only had 27% win expectancy. You know, they lost at Wisconsin at Nebraska, 29, 28%, because they weren't in that kind of 40, you know, 35 range where he pulls this Pat Fitzgerald magic. You know, and then they get smoked by a couple teams that are better than them. He just didn't pull out any coin flips because they didn't play anybody to a coin flip quality of play level. Like I, I think that's very much in play here. And I'm giving him a pretty good bump, but like if if you say 2019 is in play, that means that you think Northwestern is going to be down to its fourth string quarterback early in the season. Because I that's mean, what happened in 2019. Their starter got hurt in game one. Then the backup came in and got hurt. And then the third string came in and got hurt. And then they were down to Aiden Smith pl- playing nine games for him. It's their quarterback situation in 2019 was just comically destroyed by injuries. That's fair. That's fair. But they've also been really bad on offense in like the last five yeah, years. They're under, not, they under are not a high ceiling offense. You guys want to hear some names? Sorry. From the Hell 2016 yeah, Pinstripe Bowl. I mean, we're talking Nathan Peterman, Ben DiNucci, yeah. and Clayton Thorson. Hell yeah. Clayton. Yes. Clay, that was the Pinstripe yes, Bowl, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Clayton <laughs> Thorson led a 14 play, 76 yard drive down the field for the go ahead touchdown pass to Garrett Dickerson to take a 28-24 lead over Pitt, they would tack on a field goal uh, later in the quarter to win 31-24. Pitt at the time coming off an ACC Coast, I believe an ACC Coastal Division title. I think they were title, yeah. They were number 22 uh, in the AP poll going into it. And uh, An important lesson that you learned, Danny, that everybody should know forever, a Pat Fitzgerald team always wants to be there. Always (laughs) wants, and Iowa does too. I feel yeah. like, you know, like that Iowa-USC game back in the 2019 season. If You better watch I out. I was trying to find it, so I Googled Danny Cannell, Pat Fitzgerald, and on YouTube there are videos that say the title of them, Pat Fitzgerald calls out douchebag Danny Cannell. <laughs> and that wasn't Pat Fitzgerald's words. That was the Northwestern fans' words, just to be clear. <laughs> I can't believe they say that of a fellow Medill grad like I mean, you. Right, on. exactly. <laughs> Count them up. Coming up on the other side, we continue in the Big Ten West with a huge season for Scott Frost at Nebraska. Will the Cornhuskers be bowling? Plus, Purdue and year one of Brett Bielma at Illinois. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Magic, Jordan, Barkley, Bird, Malone, Ewing, the 1992 Dream Team changed the game of basketball forever. Dream Team, Birth of a Modern Athlete, is a new five-part original series streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. The documentary takes you deep into the greatest basketball team ever assembled with never-before-heard audio interviews from the players themselves. Hear from the team as they break down the greatest exhibition game ever, Team Magic versus Team Jordan, and how the torch was passed. You can watch Dream Team, Birth of a Modern Athlete, a new five-part series now, streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. So Nebraska has yet to make a bowl game under Scott Frost, and the win total at Caesar Sportsbook is right at a round 6.0. Minus 140 to the over, plus 120 to the under. The non-conference has Fordham, Buffalo, and then, uh, I mean, they're going to play Oklahoma. I'm I'm sorry, uh, T's and P's. The East draw, Ohio State and Michigan at home, and then they go on the road to play Michigan State. Uh, What are we doing with the Cornhuskers? I'm going over. Ooh. And I really don't love this team. I just think... Um, that they're not going to miss a bowl. Some of their recruiting stuff has been sort of smoke and mirrors and that like a lot of these really really highly rated guys they signed, especially from the state of Florida, Jeez. have transferred out almost immediately. They lose Wandale Robinson. And I've, this feels like I'm, I'm explaining it under here, right? Uh, but but I, I swear I'm not. Um, I think that they are basically 4-1 and one or 5-0 and oh, uh, against Fordham, Buffalo, Northwestern, at Illinois, and hosting Purdue. Uh, and then that basically means they need two of three or two or three of at Michigan State, Michigan, at Minnesota, and Iowa. And I believe they can get a split out of those. Uh, if they split and go 4-1 and one in the former, it's a push. If they split and go 5-0 and oh in the former, that's a win for me. So, yeah, I don't love this team, but I, I, I do think this number um, is one that should be played to the over. I'm on the under. Don't feel – I mean, I think I've got almost push insurance sort of looking at 6-6. Six and six. Iowa at home – could be your seventh win right there if you want to see how I go bust. Uh, if the Cornhuskers can win uh, that game, then it ends up being seven to five. I think it's good that they get Northwestern and Purdue both at home, uh, as opposed to having those games be on the road with more losable games being in their spot at home. But I also think that in that East draw against Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, you could go zero and three against those and lose to Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Though I will admit, you could also maybe go two and one if you're able to beat Michigan at home and then go into East Lansing and take down the Spartans. 
I, six and six feels right. Again, I will admit that if the place where I go bust in a pick that I don't feel great about, it's probably the Iowa game uh, being in Lincoln. But overall, just for a, you know, for the possibility of it being a bottom falling out type situation, uh, I think I'm going to, for this, go under. Though I think pushes the more likely outcome. Daniel. Can you, is there anywhere you can find it at six and a half? Uh, highly doubtful. You know, but so it could get I mean, there by kickoff. If so we're looking I actually at minus found one offshore book, so it's a little dicey. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's the same one I sent you last time. Uh, it is oh, minus. Yeah, I, can't, one, I don't have an account there anymore. So it is. I think minus one thirty-five. I think it's minus one thirty-five to the under at if you take six and a half. Because I do think like six. I'm trying to figure out which side you're safer on. Because I think six and six. So is there any protection? I don't think so. Like this is a tough team to peg. Um, I don't know. To me, I think this is buying hope if you take the over. Like you're buying the hope, that, which is something that Nebraska fans have been holding on to ever since they brought Scott Frost back. Adrian Martinez, to me, is a problem. Like, and they do not have another option behind him. He has to take that next step. But I'll appreciate this one. It kind of reminds me of the Chris Ricks era at Florida State. Like he's, he's his quarterback. You know, he shows you some flashes. And Chris Ricks, I think, even showed you more upside than Adrian Martinez has. But he came in with, you know, shows some flashes his freshman year. And then every year, like, you're kind of like, this is going to be the year that he breaks out. And maybe you look at the completion percentage last year and you say, well, it was, you know, great accuracy, but it was a little bit conservative. He still coughs the ball up a lot. Some of the issues that have plagued him are still there. Like, if he eliminated those issues then you'd say, all right, if you have more stability at quarterback. But they clearly wanted to make a move last year to Luke McCaffrey. And from everything you've heard about Luke McCaffrey, like it wasn't exactly like it was this awesome quarterback waiting in the wings. That was a sh- They were like trying to see if there was a better option, and it wasn't a great option. So I think it's going to be an issue for them. Also, we talk about the scheduling somewhat on here. When your home games, which – you know, it, you would love to have your kind of tough games at home, but not the tough games we are probably not going to win anyway. I, when you have Michigan at home, Ohio State at home, um, and o- uh, Oklahoma's away, so that one doesn't, that's the one you would want to play. There was one more. I think it was Iowa even at home, which is a game you're probably going to lose. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I look at the schedule. I think it's tough. I think it's going to be a tight squeeze. I would if I would shop around and find the six and a half, even pay up a little bit for it and take the under. But for our purposes on here, I'll still go with the under. But I think it's probably a six and six season, and it has to be. Like you talk about desperation, they need this bad to go to a bowl. Yeah, like how how is twenty twenty one Nebraska better than twenty twenty? Like, but you mentioned all the guys that have left, and that includes Wondell Robinson, which I think is a huge loss. This was not a good Nebraska team. And I look at the beginning of the schedule, I think Fordham and Buffalo are wins, but I can't just give them the Illini win because pretty much that entire Illinois team is back. And it's the same Illinois team that went to Lincoln and beat Nebraska 41 to 23 last year. And the game's in Champaign this year. So to me, that's not a confident win for me. I think Nebraska does win it about 55% of the time. I think Oklahoma on the road is good luck. Uh, Michigan State on the road, not not too confident in Nebraska there. I don't think they're beating Northwestern. I think Northwestern's a better program than they are, and they have been for a while. I don't think they're beating Michigan. 
Minnesota on the road is tough. Purdue, they should probably win. Ohio State, again, good luck. At Wisconsin, good luck. Iowa at home. Iowa's won six straight against Nebraska. There's no reason to think that this is the year Nebraska figures it out. And kind of like what you were saying, Danny, Adrian Martinez is Adrian Martinez. He was very promising as a freshman, and nothing has changed since. He has good moments. He's way too loose and carefree with the ball. He Too many turnovers. It kills them offensively. He kills too many drives with it. I just don't see an improvement in the talent base. I do think defensively, Nebraska took a big step forward last year. I think that that defense has to take another leap this year for them to really consider getting to seven to five, eight and four. Cause I just don't see it on offense. I don't think this is going to be a very good offensive team. I could be wrong, but I think under is where I have to go. I, I just can't, I mean, I think six and six is very much a likelihood, but I think five and seven is far more likely than seven and five. So if you find some, I actually found another six and a half. Um, as well. like that, that's probably a play for you then. Yes. Yeah. Count them up. The Purdue Boilermakers over under win total at a round five at Caesar Sportsbook minus one twenty to the over plus one hundred to the under. Uh, the non conference is Oregon State at UConn and at Notre Dame. The draw from the East is Michigan State and Indiana, both at home, and then they go to Columbus to play Ohio State. I have um, yeah, which so like I, I I'm looking at this and there's too many. Um, there's too many questions. So I look at the non-con and the East draw, Oregon state, Yukon, uh, Notre Dame, Michigan state, Indiana, and Ohio state. And I think, uh, they've got maybe two wins from that six, maybe three, like you could give them Oregon state and Yukon, but maybe the Michigan state. So again, I feel like I'm stretching to get to three out of that six. Now let's look at the other six, which are your six division opponents. You've got, two wins, maybe three. And so I feel really good about Purdue getting to four and maybe even getting to five. But the fact that I have to make so many stretches to get to three division wins and three combined wins between the East draw and the non-con, um, push insurance feels like five and seven could be there. I wanted, but was it, uh, um, Ken Barkley, did he have his 70% of the time it goes over at five and a half or just five, five and five and a half, five and five and a half. I wanted to take the over for that note. Like I wanted to, but for the purposes of this podcast, I absolutely hate this one. I'm going under. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's, I feel uh, Purdue is, it's a team with one player on offense and a one player on defense. David and Bell just, <laughs> and yeah, George Karloftis. It, yeah, like David Bell is the entire offense, and George Karloftis is far and away the best player on that defense, but opposing offenses just scheme him out and just completely tear apart every other part of that defense. And produce, that's been the problem with Jeff Brom's entire tenure at Purdue is that defense. It's just every single year I feel like it's put together with paperclip and duct tapes and teams figure out how to beat it pretty early and then just you know put up 35, 40 points per game against it. And I think that's probably going to be in the same kind of you know situation this year. And it's going to be can Purdue score enough points to make up for that. And I'm not sure that they can. David Bell is awesome. Defenses have been keying on him for the last, you know, with Rondale Moore missing so much time with injury, defenses have keyed on him for most of the last few years, and they really haven't been able to stop him anyway. So it's 
that combined with the schedule that, yeah, it includes a road game against Notre Dame. It includes Iowa on the road, Nebraska on the road, Ohio State on the road, Northwestern on the road. It's like those are all – I they probably won't – well, they could win at UConn. But other than UConn, I don't see them winning a game on the road all season. I think at home they've got some winnable games against Oregon State, Illinois, Minnesota, and Michigan State. I don't think Indiana is going to be that winnable for Purdue this year. And I think that honestly, by that time of the year, this might be a team that's checked out after getting the crap kicked out of it. Cause it's, that's the, what that is their seventh straight game without a buy. They might just be beat down and ready to end the season at that point. So I'm going under, I had, I had really high hopes. I really loved Jeff Brown when he was at Western Kentucky. I loved what he did when he first got to Purdue and the way he kind of revitalized that program. But it's just, there hasn't been a step forward. It's been just small steps back seemingly every single season, and I'm kind of starting to lose faith in what they're doing there. I, I'm i going to go ahead and take the over here, and I, I don't love that I'm against Tom in a conference that he knows really well, um, but there are a couple things that he said that I, I think he listed them as negatives, and I, I'm going to try to spin them as positives. Number one, all of those tough road games. Those are the teams that I would pick to beat them wherever mm-hmm. they played that game. So to me, this team – gets a lot more of their winnable-type games at home. Um, I I think six is a lot more likely than four here, and I agree with him that the, the seven games in a row without a bye is is a concern. Of course it is. Like, Purdue is not a great team. I think they're probably, I don't know, like, I think they're top 50. You know, like, I, I don't think they're one of those teams that's, like, down there in, in like, you know, the, the 80 range. Last year they were fairly unlucky. I mean, they put up good fights against Northwestern, Minnesota. They had an 88% win expectancy against Rutgers and lost on some just absolutely crazy special teams and, and turnover stuff. Uh, like, I think they should have been – they played like a 3-3 three and three team last year as opposed to a 2-4 and four team. You throw some non-conference games on there. I mean, one of them's Notre Dame, so that that's not great. But, like, I, I think there's a lot of games here that are winnable for them. They, In my mind, they need to get two of Illinois – Northwestern and Oregon State. That's kind of what it comes down to, to for me. And I, I believe they can get there. Um, you know, if they only get one, they push, in my opinion. But yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like if 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 I could find a five and a half, I might really consider the under, but I, I do like over here more than I like under. Yeah, I, I don't think you're insane or anything for thinking that way. Cause I mean it's if you look at this team last year, they were two and four, but they only played one game that was more than a, they only played one two score game and that was a 10 point loss like their final loss of the season was 37 27 to nebraska it was 10 point loss the re, the other games were a four point win a seven point win a seven point loss a seven point loss and a seven point loss everything was just a play here or there and their season could have looked a lot different so maybe some things balance out and head their way this year and they take an improvement how many games are gonna win this fall and bring in the division home the Illinois Fighting Illini, three and a half. It's the win total at the Caesars Sportsbook. Minus 145 to the over, plus 125 to the under. Uh, I mean, UTSA, not a team that you can just automatically uh, chalk up as a as a W, but you know, still that game's at home, and Illinois, I'm assuming, is going to be favored in that one. Uh, you go to Virginia for a great color combination. Uh, you know, Illinois has like a billion color combinations. We'll see which combinations of blue and orange get used by both teams. Charlotte at home, East draw, Maryland at home, Rutgers at home at Penn state. Tom first word, or do you want us to go? And then you, you get to close it out. You guys go first over, uh, Maryland and Rutgers is one of the best cross division draws that you could possibly have. They're both at home too. 
So I'm going to give them those two wins. I'm going to give them UTSA and Charlotte. And guess what? I'm also going to pick them to beat Nebraska in the season opener. So I've, I've got Illinois about a game and a half uh, higher, uh, thinking this is more of a five and seven type season. Yeah, I, I don't really love the five and seven, uh, but I do have um, the you know four and eight as significantly more likely than three and nine. And so I'm, I'm actually going to go ahead and bet this one too to the over uh, Charlotte, for those of you guys who have not, uh, yeah, I know Tom, I like there, there is an experienced football team. I'll, I'll let you talk more of the specifics. I'll, I'll just do the schedule <laughs> breakdown and, and what I see. My, my heart grew three sizes this day. <laughs> so, all right. I've looked into some of these G five teams cause I didn't know that we were only picking certain G five. So I've been doing my research on a lot more G fives. Charlotte lost a bunch along the lines of scrimmage. I believe that Illinois can play bully ball with them and push them around. Uh, UTSA is actually a pretty spunky G5 team. Like I, I think they are much more likely to lose to UTSA than they are to Charlotte, personally. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But all I need, they just need to get two of three from Rutgers, UTSA, and Northwestern. And if you're Tom, you probably substitute a different team, like maybe at Purdue. Then I need you to just get one more. Maybe that's at UVA if they can catch UVA napping. Maybe that's home against Maryland if Mike Loxley lays an egg. Maybe that's at Purdue. Uh, maybe that's at home against Nebraska. Maybe Nebraska you know, doesn't really care in the opening game, kind of doubt it. Uh, or maybe at Minnesota. I only have three games for them that are just 100% in my ratings, just like lock losses. Everything else is technically winnable. Now, they're dogs in most of those, but they're not like 10, 14-point dogs. I'm on the over as well. I, Woo! I, oh, by the way, Danny's on the under Danny's for, on the for under. Purdue, <laughs> and he's on the under for Illinois. So we don't have total lock agreement here for both these teams. But um, Fight! <laughs> I, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. I think Chip, you touched on something that's important. Like they get not only do they get both Maryland and Rutgers from the East as part of their draw, but they're the two home games. Whereas the difficult game they get from the East, Penn State, which they weren't likely to win anywhere, is on the road. So that's to their benefit. I think that Nebraska at home to start the season, as I talked about with Nebraska, I mean, this is a team that Illinois beat by 18 in Lincoln last year. And I think that season opener. I still think Nebraska's 55% to win that game, but that's not exactly something that can just write off. That's a possible win for Illinois. I think UTSA will be tough. I think a lot of Illini fans might not be aware of how tough that program is. That's going to be difficult. I think Virginia on the road, probably a loss. I think Virginia's a good team. I think Maryland at home is going to be tough. I think Purdue on the road is winnable. I think Charlotte's a win. I think Wisconsin is a loss. Penn State's a loss. Rutgers, Illinois had success against Rutgers plenty in the last few years. That's a win at home. Minnesota on the road, a loss, but winnable. Uh, Iowa, probably a, very much a loss. Northwestern, I would give Northwestern the edge there. But I do think there's four wins here for Illinois at a minimum. And this is a team that I think, you know, they've got, you know, Brett Bielema has been spouting the 22 super seniors that they have back, which is the most in the country. So they do have a lot of their production back. And But the problem is, I think that stylistically for what Bielema is going to want to do, for the style of football that he's always played. This is a team that has a very strong and a veteran offensive line with, I think, two guys who can end up in the NFL in it after this season, Doug Kramer and Alex Palchewski. I think they have a very good stable of running backs that'll help with that, and I think that Brandon Peters is a good game manager quarterback. There are questions at receiver. I don't know that there's really a top guy there, but from reports from camp are Isaiah Williams, who came to Illinois as one of the highest-rated recruits in the Lovey Smith tenure, came as a quarterback. He's moved to wide receiver, and everybody I've talked to says he's looked phenomenal 
in that spot. He's, you know, he's very fast. He's a very good route runner already, and they think he's kind of game changer. Defensively, I think they're thin on the defensive line. I think the starters are solid. If they experience too many injuries there, that could become a real problem for them. I don't think they have the kind of outside linebacker kind of edge presences that they're going to be looking for now that they're shifting to more of a 3-4 kind of look on the defensive side. That could be a problem. I think the middle linebacker spot's fine. I think in the secondary, there are questions at corner. I think the safeties are a little, are pretty solid. So defensively, I have some concerns. This is a team that could get, you know, especially to better offenses could end up giving up at least 35 points in quite a few games this year. So that's going to be a problem. But I just think overall, it wouldn't shock me just based on what Bielema's plans are for this roster with the amount of super seniors that came back. If Bielema's first season in Champaign is like one of those years where they go five and seven and everybody, or maybe even sneak into a bowl game and everybody's really hyped up. And then in year two, there's a significant step back as all that experience leaves and they kind of really, the rebuild really starts. Like a Sam Pittman at Arkansas yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you know who else recruited Williams as a slot receiver? Alabama, the best, the best teams in the country. The only yes. reason Illinois got him, well, there's a couple of reasons, but one was his relationship with his former coach, Very and then they told, yep. yeah, and they told him he was going to be a QB. Which mm-hmm. we watched him in these things, and I was like, I mean, I guess if you're Illinois, it's worth taking a shot trying to design your offense around this. But like, this kid does not throw at a Power Five level at all his running ability and his athleticism is really nice i mean what i think was he the same year as waddle or was he a year year later i think they're the same year like i remember i had seen waddle on the seven on seven circuit and like waddle was pretty much the gold standard for slots in that year but williams was like a not waddle level i'm not gonna go crazy here but like very very impressive athletically and like he could be a real guy that changes the scoreboard for them uh, particularly in the league, like, am I the only one looking around and saying, man, whoever in this league gets good quarterback play has a chance to just absolutely shoot up the rankings? Like, which quarterbacks in this league, not to take this thing too long, because I guess I got to jump in like 90 seconds. What, what quarterbacks do you actually like in this league? It, but there, other- there's no alpha to me. I think I think Graham Mertz, obviously the Ohio State guys are the Ohio State guys, but you look around the conference, there's nobody where you're like, oh, wow, that's like an all-American caliber QB. You're talking yourself into Sean Clifford and Tanner Morgan is what's happening, is, is they are moving up just because you believe that at their best or what you imagine they could be, they are good. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not talking myself into Sean Clifford. I'm talking myself into the rest of that Penn State roster and James Franklin. Right. I, I knew uh, Michigan, I think, has some real upside. Just how, how they've recruited it, I guess. That's I it. Mean, is Adrian Martinez top half of the conference in QB play? No. If he is, the Big Ten's in trouble. Well, can you find... Give, give me give me seven. I'll take Peters. thinking about this. <laughs> Whoever's Ohio State quarterback. Okay. Uh, Graham Mertz. Morgan, Graham Mertz. God, Clifford might be top half, but I think he's closer to seven. Uh... I would take Spencer. Petrus. Yeah. I would take Brandon Peters. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't think Brandon Peters is like an amazing QB, but I think that he's very experienced. And he, I think he's I think he's just a really good fit for what Bielema teams typically tend to do. Like, he's got a big arm. He can do play action. They've got a couple good tight ends in Daniel Barker and Luke Ford. They've got a really solid run game if they get Isaiah Williams as a playmaker out of the slot. Hey, I'll take Talia. Over Adrian Martinez. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, Talia's so that, a good that player, gets too. That yeah. six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where we got to. We got to Talia Tugavailoa. And I think Kalinske could be a top half of the conference QB. Love for Northwestern? 
Mm-hmm. Duly noted. One of my strongest takeaways about us from this. Uh, I'm sure that it will also be uh, a takeaway that is noted by uh, Andrew, the Cover 3 historian. <laughs> many, many thanks to you for uh, still sticking with us uh, after we went four unders on your beloved Indiana Whoops. Hoosiers. You can follow him on Twitter at, oh, uh, Danny went under, right? Danny's yes. under and he's over and over for Purdue. Uh, you can follow back. Danny Cannell <laughs> goes under on Illinois. <laughs> you can follow him at Tom Fernelli on Twitter. You can follow him at Bud Elliott three. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.